0: Have, this is so. This is sinking here, and yet schools and other, all other organizations are so worried about that. No, we have to get them here. Meanwhile, they're scared and they're flailing. So this is what I'm. Here, this is what I'm seeing at Casamorfo. See, I told you she should have resigned. <laughs> and this is what my paper is based on. All my papers are based on social emotional learning during COVID times, and starting with the adolescents. So in this community, I didn't start an alternative school based on the little ones. The little ones you love, they're so cute. You can't not love them, right? You wanna take care of them and hold them. And then they get grown and they start talking at you. And you're like, I don't know if I can love this child right now, somebody take them. And I take them. I'm like, come, come here you. Come here you cu- You're cussing at your mom, come over here with me. And I walk them through this and we walk it together. So my model is based on the adolescents, first and foremost, because they're about to go on to the world and then Casamorfo, um all the other age groups funnel from that. Because for me, that's the most important part is understanding how we can make the adolescents, not make them, but guide them. Guide them to have, want to explore the world with love and caring. And that's for me, the start of community. Building community leaders, right? So that they're not having, like I did and we did, nervous breakdowns in our 30s or like wondering what is our purpose, right? My kids know, a lot of my students already know and are excited about going out there and changing the world. So this is for me super important before anything else happens.
1: So posing this question to you guys then, you know, we talk about intentional communities and wanting to build communities and do all of that, but are you capable of doing that if you don't have this yet? And so we talk about leaders and leaders that aren't ready to lead and leaders that, that, don't have that safety. Maybe you, you it's difficult to put food on the table. Maybe it's difficult to pay the mortgage. Maybe uh, you don't have that connection that you have internally with your family, with your friends, with a certain peer group. Maybe you don't see yourself in the best light. And then you ask yourself, am I good enough to be a leader? Well, I'm to start an intentional community. I'm gonna to go to Puerto Viejo and I'm gonna be a leader and I'm gonna start this community. But you don't have your shit together. You need to have this before you can have this. And so with Roseanne, Roseanne's been able to find her purpose. She's been able to experience the world, she's been able to love the world, and now she's found her purpose. And so she's got this, and she's had all of that. And now with the youth that we're working with, in both the volleyball club, and the strength club that I do, and then within Morpho, because she's working with the teen group, what we're trying to do now is we're trying to build that connection with them. Because as far as we know, they all have safety. They all have loving families, relatively speaking. and they, they. you know, they, They're they're not starving, they're able to eat at Casamorfo and everything, but now what we're trying to do is we're trying to build that connection. We're trying to give them community because we've been able to do this for ourselves, and in order for us to give forward and give back, we need to provide them with this, in addition to the self-esteem that they're gonna experience after they have that connection.
0: One thing to add is uh, kids and teens smell bullshit a mile away. (laughs) They smell your shit. They smell it if you're acting a certain, or talking a certain way and you don't act that certain way in integrity. They will dissect you and throw it back in your face. I've had my kids do that with me and humble me, which is why they are my biggest feedback loop, is my children and my students. I am humble and vulnerable with them. Say, so how can I do better, guys? Well, you said you were gonna do this and you didn't. All right, I take that. I'm not living in my integrity. Let's walk this together and figure this out. So. This is a really key point: is that we 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 didn't want to do this. We honestly were like we our our teenagers were like, "Mom, we want this. We want to learn with our friends. Our friends need someone like you." And they said to Dad, "Dad, we really want to play volleyball. We think there were kids are going to be here that are going to play volleyball. So do you want to go to the next point?" That's
1: you. Okay, so. The question now becomes, okay, so once you have all your shit together and you've explored the world and you love the world and you love who you are as yourself, how do you actually build a community? Well, one of the things that we did, or one of the, well, here's a quick story. So yesterday I was on the beach and there was a gentleman from Cartago who came here three years ago. And he came up to me and he said, hey, Chris, my name's Felipe. I don't know if you remember me, but I was here three years ago. And when, you, when I was here with you and I was playing volleyball with you, you had two bamboo poles, four volleyballs, and six kids. And so we've been able. Two of them were the ours. <laughs> the three of them, three of them were ours. <laughs> yeah. So, so half of the volleyball program was like actually. Anyway, um, and now if you take a look at the program, we've got two full courts from which we'd have wonderful contributions from the community and from the like the adults in the community, like Thomas sitting over there, who's really contributed a lot of his time and his money to help with the equipment. We, and we have over 50 kids in the program. We have two athletes that were just accepted into the national selection program. They'll be the first Caribbean-born athletes to represent their country in Ooh. international beach volleyball. But, but how is that all built in three years? And it, it, it becomes really, like it's a really simple thing. Just fucking show up. It's consistency, and that's the deal. There were days when I thought I was gonna quit because we only had three kids there. But every day, Tuesday and Thursday, 4.30, I would show up, throw a bunch of volleyballs out, kids would start playing, local kids would come, kids here and there. And that's the difference between being intentional about, I didn't want to build this program. Like I said, like we were a sports family. It was about me taking my kids to volleyball tournaments for our oldest daughter, all throughout the province of Ontario and Canada, and dragging the kids along. And when we got here, there was no opportunity like that for the kids. So I said, okay, listen, I'll put the volleyball net out, let's see what happens. And it was me showing up every day at 4.30, our whole family showing up every day at 4.30, for three straight years. And kids started to come, people started to take interest, Things started to happen. And then we started getting national recognition based on the program that we were doing.
0: But let me say too, like if a kid didn't show up, he would follow up. Where were you? Come, come back out. And money is not a, like, of course there's a fee and we hope you know people that can afford it can pay. But if a child comes and says for Morpho or for volleyball or for strength club, I can't afford it. We try to work as best we can out, right? So some of the kids actually help coach now, the younger kids in exchange for the coaching. So we've created now this like full circle mentorship program where I've hired um, some of the kids that he's coached and mentored as part of mentoring at Morpho the younger kids, teaching the phys ed program, um, the math program. So this is kind of like our ideal is to really work so deeply with these teenagers that they want to stay and give back in service.
1: So I guess the, the main thing that we're trying to say here is that we started this Internally because it was something that we wanted to do I guess selfishly for our own children. And then it expanded into this. But we never had this outcome based mentality that I'm gonna start a volleyball program with fifty kids or I'm gonna start this educational project with seventy families or I don't know. That's a lot, lot. Alright, that's not true? <laughs> okay. Little fabrication. Yeah. Fifteen years, 70s right. it's all good. Okay. Right. okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Great. Uh yeah. yeah. Okay. me Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um so There was, I'm a fan of humanistic psychology, Uh, I talk a lot about it with my kids, and so Marty Seligman and uh, Mayer, I can't remember his first name, they did a study way back in the 60s, um, and the study, the research showed that, you know, at that time, that we learned how to be helpless. It was learn helplessness. Um, Just recently, that research was reversed, that we don't learn to be helpless, that is our default. We have to learn hope. We have to learn how to be useful and that's something that is guided that's not something that's natural what's default for us humans and because of evolution and our evolutionary biology is if we are failing we learn to be helpless or everything is done for us there's this learned helplessness so we actually have to guide in terms of um, learning how to be responsible for your own decisions how to make autonomous decisions how to hope you know um i can control you know i just had this talk with the kids the other day There was a stressful situation and two people reacted differently. And I said, stop, pause. Here's a teaching moment, guys. Someone's freaking out and this other person's saying, this is a learning opportunity and talking them through it. How can we learn from this? And they're like, oh, right, okay, breath. And I saw it right before my eyes, these teenagers having these skills in terms of managing their emotions and not controlling them, but just regulating them, talking it out. And so we're learning through this modeling, through us being there, through how for them, how to take responsibility for their own life, journal about it or make different choices so that they don't are never in that spot of default helplessness, that they can always know, oh, I can make a different decision today. So that was really key for us in terms of how we're coaching and leading. But that only came about through my own research for myself and how to parent, how to be a better person. And so everything starts with how can I live more integrity? So all of these things really spawned for me homeschooling. I stopped drinking, I stopped taking anything, I started going to bed early, I changed my life so that I had the energy for homeschooling five children. Every single day I had to show up for them, which means I had to show up for myself. So all of these things happened and then we moved here and then we worked on our marriage and then we were really equipped at that point as a team to then show up with integrity and consistency because our we're so practiced and, and disciplined with our own Um, in our own lives and we've showed, we've worked on ourselves. So
1: to wrap up, I'm going to leave you guys with a quote, but before that, you know, Julian asked for a call to action. So how do you create a community? How do you, how do you become a leader? Two things, right? Work on yourself. First, be somebody that somebody would want to follow. Live those values. Second thing, fucking show up every day, even when it's hard, even when you don't want to, even though there's only one person there, show up, follow up, be there every single day and have that consistency and people will come. So I'll leave you with this quote that has to deal with children from Alfred Adler who is a, a psychologist as well and he said sensitivity to a child's needs does not mean overindulging the child. Pampering children severely undermines social and emotional growth. Children need strong Firm, decisive, self-respecting, and autonomous parents and guides and leaders, or else children become frightened. They need a, uh, they need a just, fair, orderly, and predictable world to live in, or world or environment. So in saying that, we're done. <laughs>
2: Uh, just because we want to keep the ball rolling, we'll maybe take two questions from the audience for these guys. Don't be shy. Don't me, uh, let me try this out. Um, that beginning piece when you said building that stability, building that reliability inside yourself is about uh, love and wanting to contribute love. How do we how do we make that possible? Um, other than turning the TV off, because it just seems like. Like all the propaganda, like all, like all of the messaging is like be afraid, like separate, like isolate, um, and it's like it's really demoralizing sometimes. You want so to how me? do you sure. how do you contribute that? To the so community? I always
0: use my own children as an example because anybody can talk to my children. I told my children the parent only parenting book I would buy would be written by them, right? Because I there's nothing I could say. So for them, um, I asked them this question, and and they said, you know, mom every day I just surround myself with the people that inspire me, right? So we've created this really core group of friends. They have these role models in their life that really inspire them and keep them on this path so that they can build that scaffolding and stamina to love themselves. So in the beginning, if you're not exposed to any of this growing up, you got to rebuild this too with people around you with support. We don't want to do this in isolation. So you have to find people that are on the same path that will hold you accountable say how are you loving yourself today or what would love do is that a loving choice that you made I tell the kids in my class you know those type of people your safety circle should fit on like a two centimeter by two centimeter square those are the trusted people in your life that you can come to and say I need love today how can you help me and you look them up and I'm really it's really so cute it made us cry the other day that we're both on their squares <laughs> they can come to us at any time I get whatsapps at 2 a.m. Rosanna making a hard choice I'm like where are you Talk me through it, right? So that's what it is too. It's like we can't do it ourselves, and if if it's difficult, it's a challenge. Have an accountability partner, right? So my daughter just said it was so lovely. She stayed over a friend's house. She woke at six a.m. She does her journaling routine, and her friend in my class, and he also woke up and did his journaling. There's another friend sleeping over. They woke up, did their journaling routine, and that's how these sixteen and seventeen year olds started their day. It was like because they have that core group of each other that keep them accountable. I don't know if that answers the question. Well, good.
1: you're, I mean. you're you're a productivity or a a self-improvement kind of guru, right? Like, you you know that you are the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Like, you've heard that before. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard that before. So when we talk to our students, when we talk to our athletes, we talk about really being very discerning about who you have in those five. Because the five people that you spend the most time with, that's, you are the average of that.
0: It affects your, yeah, it affects your energy. It affects your interactions with everybody. So it's like... You know, honing that skill over time. It's like, oh right, every time I hang out with this person, or I, I just can't get you know. So I, that's for me is what the number one thing I've seen work with the students is like really for them to look at every relationship and how that's working for them. Is it enhancing their life right now, or is it you know? And there's times to take a break and then come back. And so Thank I. More. Don't, right, Thank you.
1: One more. Thank you. I was short. One. What was the name of the researcher, the person from
3: Maslow that you are? Oh Scott, Berry Scott Barry
1: Scott Berry
3: Cosme.
1: Do we have one more? Do we have one more.
0: Yeah. I want the nursing mom. I, <laughs> um, I wanna ask uh, Can you guys hear me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, this is not shown, right? This is like kind of my framework theoretical and I tease activities out and things like that to get things going. But there's always families that need a little bit of a bridge, like they're not quite there yet with understanding this whole other reality of parenting. Um, I come from a single, like my mom was a single mom. I didn't, you know, based, just based on the fact that my parents immigrated to Canada from the Philippines, saved probably my life and put me on a whole different trajectory. So I know when I talk to my parents or certain things, certain ways they raise me, it's not the way I'm raising my children, but I have to bridge certain things. So it's like, if, if I'm gonna use the uh, example of screen time, right? So if this family has eaten junk food and screens, and they, but they're willing to like see something different, I'm not gonna go in and say, no more junk food, no screen time, you know, eat plant-based, I'm not gonna do that. It's like, all right, tell me, tell me how you feel. Because we all know, what I see now, and we take for granted, is that we have a baseline feeling. We don't even know that's our baseline. And some people don't even know they could feel good up here. So I'm always under- trying to understand families of different levels and backgrounds. It's like, okay, what's your baseline? This? How does this make you feel? And coming and meeting them where they are, and not bringing this yet. It's just always in the back that this is, this is what we need. So safety, if there is a safety issue like the shadow work, I'm not going to bring that if I'm working with a child and I know this shadow working that family that's not that's not appropriate for the child for the teenager if it is in the reality and it is something they're healing then I'm just this loving person I'm gonna be the loving person they're gonna get professional help I'm just gonna be a loving person there to listen to them so I've heard young women who are depressed or have poor self-image body image issues and all I could do is walk them through it and not try to fix it and so then I gained their trust then that's not, I'm not another adult trying to fix them. Well, yeah, go ahead.
4: What I was more so getting at was if you have, it like, saying to you that you can't just relocate or migrate to the future have a better life, being that your life had a different trajectory, do you feel that you're in a position to help people that
0: didn't have a different Oh, definitely. Yes. Definitely. Um, they they see, the like, the things I've introduced them to, like, there's a child that never mm-hmm. thought they would read Shakespeare. They had no idea that literature or art history or had no idea this other world, of of past, just the physical reality of here. So it's not just Shakespeare, I'm just using that as an example, but there's things that just me saying, hey, check this out, check this little piece of information, read this article. Like they wanted to learn poetry and it was like, okay, what kind of poetry you want? Well, we want to talk about Latin American, you know, let's talk about reggaeton. Let's talk about, like it's whatever is in there, or hip hop, one wanted to do the history of hip hop. I'm like, all right, great, let's research that. So why is that poetry? What is happening with in this piece here that means something to you so it's always driven from from them and then when you when it's from them it's never wrong and they want to learn more but it is that it's just all of a sudden they realize oh i'm responsible for my learning yeah yeah
1: so just quickly i'll tell you a quick story i had an athlete come to me he was 12 years old three months prior to him meeting me for the first time on the beach his father had killed himself and he and his mother didn't have two pennies to rub together and so I was speaking to him a few days ago and I was just curious like why did you continue why did you like how is this how, like how is volleyball change your life How has this really changing because he he plays for the national team and he said you were there consistently every week and you didn't care about my background or my life or what was going on in my life you were just there to coach me you didn't pamper me. You didn't, you didn't patronize me. You were there and it was all about volleyball and it was all about you coaching me and I saw how you were with your family and you were consistent and you were always there with your kids and you were hugging your kids and I just wanted to be around that. So coming from that type of background, <coughs> I really do believe that establishing this within yourself and this within the program or initiative that you want to start Speaks leaps and bounds. You might not see it immediately, but over time, which is what really what consistency means, is when th- you'll, things will start to surface and you'll see the good work that you're doing.
0: Oh, am that's I just my personal experience. And my daughter said, Make sure you tell everyone that community is not all in the same boat. Everyone has their own boat. And they're all traveling together, mom. And sometimes you go to an island and you get off together and you have potlucks. But <laughs> stay on my boat. My boat is my boat. Okay. <laughs> that's what you wanted to say, too. <laughs> yeah, thanks.
2: Thank you guys for those questions,
0: thank you for
2: being here again. <laughs> To go, we have some refreshments that we're just gonna pass around along the way. So I'm gonna call upon Elizabeth to give us her two cents on community. So again, please bear with us if you have to go. Sorry to say goodbye, but please do your best to stay. Okay? Um, we'll be passing them all along. You guys can start in one direction. Um, maybe Suzanne, you wanna scream out the ingredients to me? Um.
5: Hi guys. Um, my is Suzanne, I started eating Fruit food here a couple months ago, and I've been making smoothies and acai bowls, and I make the granola myself, so there's some granola that's going around. Um, I also made some raw energy balls, um, they're made out of dates and walnuts, um, cinnamon, um, there's three different kinds. Um, the other ones are cashew with figs, um, and then I have some movies I'm going to be serving later, and I also have um, some watermelon, ginger, moringa, little tasters for nice. Enjoy! Enjoy. Enjoy. Thank you
3: Um,
5: Thank you so much for being here first of all, I'm just, uh, I've been living in Puerto Viejo for a little under two years and I am in love with this place and fall in love with it more and more all the time and I think it's pretty amazing that like Julian's only been here for a couple months and was able to gather this community here today and that you all showed up so thank you for that. Um, I'm going to kind of ask some questions and get some feedback from you guys because I don't Really enjoy just talking at people, um, so I'm gonna get some like brainstorms from you as I'm I'm talking. But today, basically, I'm gonna be sharing on permaculture and specifically on social permaculture. Um, I think all of us can kind of agree that while there are amazing things happening all over the world from people in communities all over, like yourselves, in general, the world's kind of in a shitty place. And for me personally, I know like growing up and being a teenager and stuff, it just felt super overwhelming. It felt really disempowered, like there were no answers, and it was just like, I, there's nothing to do. And um, permaculture was a tool for me that just gave me a lot of hope. And I think that's kind of one of the most important things when we're thinking about social change and making the world a better place. Like you have to hold on to hope. So, um, first, how many people here have heard of permaculture before? You heard of what? Permaculture permaculture okay and of those I know it's I think it's kind of like a buzzword these days and it's become kind of popular how many could actually like tell me what permaculture is or explain it anyone a lot less okay um cool so basically uh, permaculture is a design science so it it looks at anything from a landscape to your it could be anything from your piece of land to your relationships the way you design your business even how you organize the apps on your phone it's really a design system that you can apply to anything and i think that's super powerful because when talking about community and how we create healthy happy communities that coexist i think design is such an important part of that and i'm going to give a couple examples so Um, There have been studies that, for example, when you look at office buildings of, let's say, like banks or different financial businesses, they did a study in Europe where they showed that the setup of the offices, like in the building, actually affects the amount of corruption that will happen in that bank. So certain setups of an office building will almost guarantee, like nine times out of ten, that there's corruption, where other setups won't. Um, another example is in my university, um, our freshman year, we didn't get to choose what dorms we were put in, it was all random, and every single year, no matter what, there was one dorm that was just... Every year, no matter what, there was one dorm that was always the party dorm and the social dorm, and I don't think it was like a like thing that all the partiers went up there, but we basically all kind of came to the conclusion that it was the setup of the dorm, made it so it was just more social. And so we can think of the same thing when we talk about our communities and the way that we design them can either be for the well-being of people or against it. And it's just such an important part of it. So, does this marker work? Basically, Um, we have nature, right, Mm -hmm. and within nature we have humans and we have culture. And I just want to say quickly, permaculture was largely inspired by indigenous worldviews and cosmovisions around the world, and most indigenous people know that we are a part of nature and belong in it, and those societies follow that. And so a lot of ways, permaculture kind of asks, how do we think more like indigenous people and how do we mimic our human systems around nature? So this is kind of the way the world works, right? Unfortunately, we've come to a system today where we have kind of like all these hierarchies and nature is at the bottom. And we have all of these things are cultures. So these things can be government, um, economies, things like capitalism, white supremacy, patriarchy, and all those things are dominating how we control nature. And so what permaculture seeks to do is it it seeks to find a reunion between these things again, of how do like, humans basically re-enter into the natural um, Earth community that all other living beings on this planet are part of. And so I think, um, how many people in this room would consider yourself to be an environmentalist or love Earth in any way. Okay, I hope it's it's most people. Um, I think a lot of times when people think about permaculture, they think that it has to do with sustainability in the sense of like growing your own food or planting trees or gardening or whatever that may be. And that's totally true. That is within the bubble of permaculture. But the part of permaculture that really made me passionate about it and that made me kind of like more hopeful about the world and a lot of tools is what we call social permaculture. So um, this is using permaculture design and applying it to social systems or communities. And basically this idea that essentially, like we have a lot of the answers for the demise of the environment. Like we know how to grow food in a way that regenerates soil and um, enriches biodiversity. And we know how to plant trees in ways that sequester carbon and all this stuff. And the real barriers to us creating kind of like this heaven on earth or this harmony between humans and the rest of the natural world, it's really um, our social systems. It's economic and political and cultural and all these things. So people often kind of like forget that. And a lot of people within the permaculture community are like, we just need to grow all our own food and plant trees and do all this stuff. And while that's super important, so is this other aspect of like, Actually, being kind to your neighbor is just as important, if not more important, than growing your own food. And respecting the people within your community, fostering relationships with the people around you, is just as much a part of being an environmentalist as is like uh, not using plastic, or like eating plant-based, or whatever other things. And so in social permaculture, we basically ask, how do we design our social systems so that they mimic nature? So, when talking about nature, what are some words that you all think of when just kind of like describing an ecosystem? Plants. Feel free to shout it out. Plants, Plants. 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 lush, wild, wild, wild. abundant, balance. balance, harmony, harmony, Disarmony. yeah, change. change. Okay, cool. Yeah, so. Basically, Earth has evolved over millions of years to create these incredible systems. And a lot of the words that you guys said, everything works in harmony. It's incredibly mm-hmm. resilient. Everything is very diverse and integrated and interconnected. And again, we were once a part of that. We have now kind of strayed away from that. But social permaculture, social permaculture design basically asks how can our human systems, Replicate that again, so I'm just going to give a couple examples of that so kind of looking at a hierarchy most Things in our like capitalist Western mindset views are in a hierarchy, right? so there's like one person controlling on top what all the other people are doing and um, One idea that is quite popular in social permaculture design is horizontal governance or Sociocracy could be another term for it where basically you have these groups of people second. and you have a lot of overlap so people will be involved in multiple groups so let's say for example one of those groups is El Puente um, you have all the community, m- community members or team members who are part of that and they all make decisions and some of them are also maybe involved in the volleyball group and they're communicating with those people. And no one has like one like dominance or power over the other, but rather it's just this beautiful like, harmonious thing where everyone is sharing, people are communicating, ideas are being passed around, but it's not like one group is controlling what all the other groups are doing. There's kind of like these checks and balances um, like in a natural ecosystem. And so, yeah, there's a a bunch of tools, kind of what other people were saying, like nonviolent communication. You can even think of things like yoga and spirituality can be really like a practice of permaculture, and just uh, a lot of these things that are related to kind of like humans and inner work. Um, So just the idea that those things are just as important for sustainability and saving the planet as planting trees or or the environment or anything else. yeah, I'm not gonna dive like super far into it because I, I have a bunch of books I can recommend to you guys on social permaculture, but I think it's just like a really powerful tool that's helped me a ton and I super recommend it for anyone to read more about. Yeah. Woo!
2: <laughs> Does anyone have any questions uh, for Elizabeth about permaculture? Sure, um, thank you for your presentation, was great. Um, this is so Christine. I hadn't heard that term before. Of, um, I was wondering if there is a place within permaculture and social permaculture for, um, for what is kind of academically originally known as the purpose of uh, anarchism, which is like the analysis of uh, the legitimacy of power structures. That, that's in the like Chomskys or old sense of anarchy. That's what it means. And, and for me, it looks like that's a big problem of this whole like, pyramid of cultural nature, is, is power structures and how some have power over others. But that power is often opportune. Do you think there's a way to integrate, or is there a need or a must to integrate um, that kind of anarchist vision of, of just constant analysis of
5: If anyone didn't hear, um, he just asked basically kind of what are the connections between permaculture and sociocracy and a lot of this stuff and kind of like the anarchist mindset or like view that we kind of need to get rid of these like systems of hierarchy. Um, There's for sure a ton of overlap. I mean, I think what permaculture really is about is about sovereign communities, like lots of sovereign communities that have power over themselves. With these bridges and connections in between all of them, but there's not like one. It's it's really like anti-system and anti-the man in a lot of ways. Um, I think what I think in permaculture there can be kind of a bridge where, in a lot of ways, it it honors modern science and innovation and technology, but also it's really like back to the roots. So maybe it's like somewhere in the middle. I'd also say all permaculturists are different. So. I'm sure majority of them are probably like anarchists and against the government and the man. I'm sure there's some in it, so it's kind of a bridge, but I hope that answers. Definitely related. Any other questions? Thank you
2: everyone. Okay, <laughs> hey, so we have Should I do that? Let's just do a quick giant group photo uh, for some people I believe but then we've got one presentation and one one performance okay so one presentation and one performance for the end so thank you so much for staying over time this is typical with all events but it's so worth it would you not agree okay so let's do a big group photo this is Lisa Um, maybe we can all just kind of Stand up. Stand get, up together. get together. <laughs> is the performance yeah. you it for like an hour? Yeah. Yay, team! So just be where you are. So let's have a front row down, down where you guys actually are sitting, which is great. And then a second, third row, with the tiers back there. And then Lisa, said you.
3: All right, uh, so good afternoon, everybody. Um, The pleasure to be out here, thank you, Julian. Just met you, but very awesome. Um, uh, LaRuca crew over there, Danny, Dave, which I uh, I know them from the town of you here, Danny history before. Um, Dave trout surfing as well, and the last time we gone a little closer was on a trip to South Carolina for a bachelor party of a friend, so. (laughs) Thank you very much, Um, and of course, over there, Chris and his wife and everybody else there in the back, Um look up to. So um, my name is Dexter Lewis, and I was uh, born and raised here in Puerto Viejo, I'm 32 years old. And my, my family is actually from Nicaragua, from the Caribbean side of Nicaragua. But my mom have come here many of times with her aunts and everybody else has been coming back and forth since that moment. Um, i born here because I had to get away because a huge hurricane was hitting on the side of Nicaragua, so my mom came down, and i born here in Puerto Viejo, which I'm very proud of uh, being part of this uh, town and the community, and every one of you that's been uh, feeling welcome here in Puerto Viejo as well. Um, I start hanging out a lot with well, my friends. Uh, had a, my mom taught me to go to school all the time, a little discipline right there on the rough side, but it got me yeah. to where I am right now. Uh, but out of, out of all of my friends, I was one of the most consistent going to school and uh, keeping up because my mom would like, go to school. And I, I wanted to play a lot with my friends, but I couldn't. Um, along the way, I uh, back and forth going to school, I learned to surf, but I always had like this interest with people from all over because I remember when I was young, I, I met a kid, him and his sister, and we're really close, there from the United States. and. After knowing them, I never saw them again anymore. So in this moment, it just like hit me like, I wanted to be around more culture, more people, and just start to grow up more, and just start to learn a lot more from people, and also share. And um, definitely with my friend around here from Puerto Viejo as well. With my friends, I started learning surfing. At uh, 12 years old, more or less, I used to go to beach every day, but I learned at 12 years how to surf a little bit better, more and more. And by 13, I started a little competing here and there. Um, and I started also to taught surfing with another friend that also taught me how to teach a surf lesson the way we knew. Um, and I really enjoyed it a lot. I, I also, part of my uh, time I spent uh, being a tour guide around. I worked at the Jaguar Rescue Center before. Some of you may like it or not. I worked there for nine years. Um, And today I work at Caribbean's uh, Chocolate Tours as well uh, for about three years. So I've been always involved with different cultures and people and and languages, which I love a lot. Um, Even when I don't understand, I enjoy listening to people talking. Um, I was very, uh, I really like sports all the time. And I was really good in school. I consider myself to be good in school, playing soccer and all the different things. But for some reason, surfing like brought my attention a lot because it was something to do alone, and and for mo- you know for most of us around it was like you had to be alone by yourself, figure it out everything, and it was challenging because I didn't learn much things. My mom was a single mom as well, and um, she brought me down and helped me how she could, and I had to learn a lot of things uh, surfing. Um, with my friends a lot as well, they took really good care of me, um, and then from there I just start to. Make my path and grow into surfing and be better as I could, the best surfer I could. Um, I would just wanted to like serve the biggest barrels in salsa or get the best wave and uh, just start representing my town in the in the Pacific and just doing all the things that you see a surfer would do on, on a surf movie. But after a while, something just happened and just start changing a little bit. I enjoyed really spending time with people and I decided to well, maybe change the thought from being a professional surfer and being so good to to sharing with people actually what I like to do. Um, for a while, as well, there was some kind of inside battle a little bit, I didn't know really what I I wanted to do a little bit, and I didn't think I was good enough. But then I was like, I read different things around on different books and saw like come, uh, good things about hope and how to be better. And one of the things that I read on a book was like, if you don't really believe yourself, just go out there and. Try to discover out there for you and I see what are the good things or the bad things out there, and it's like just go out there and see how you're gonna affect somebody when you put on a smile. Right? You see somebody on the street, you say hi, you say, or you give a smile, and people usually answer back. And I start to see all these things start to reverse back, and I was like, hmm, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty good. Right? So, so um. Along the way, when I started to teach surfing, it was a little bit difficult as well because my, the town around here where I grew up a lot, my friends are really close, they're closest buddies, so like they, they have your back. But it somehow, in a deeper level, was more difficult to come together and work together. Um, you may see around, there's a lot, a lot of surf schools all around the area. I decided to begin with a, a way to give back for me, was to start something a little bit on my own. Um, I call it the Lewis Brothers Surf. And it's a project I began of surfing, taught in, teaching people how to surf, and um, also my life, my kind of my, my lifestyle. So earning a little money on that side as well. But then I wanted to give back. I wanted to give back a little bit. Like, how can I help people? And my best way to help people and help myself was teaching people to surf. And so I just started to do it. Started to do it more and more, and it worked pretty well. And it was still working pretty well. I feel like. Um, but at the same time, there was still this thing missing, like how we surf, everybody around here, we surf, and my friends and us, we're all together surfing and everything, but when it comes to, like, the unity of the groups of, of, of different surfing activities or surf schools around the area, was very difficult, and it's also all to do with a little bit of the background of the place as well, like the different families that came along, families that had more than other families and different things like that, and so I thought it was a big challenge over there to kind of come together with everybody and try to bring them closer and closer. Like, I try to give them the opportunity as well to like work together. So I start teaching as an individual surf, surf instructor just with different uh, surf uh, schools around the area. So I start teaching with everybody. And then I start my own, which is doing brother surfing. But it was not enough. I wanted to do something that would bring people together. It would be more like unite, because the more group of surfing we have around, it would be bigger, people be more interested to learn about surfing a little bit more, right? But it's still hard, so <laughs> I had to do different things around. Um, part of why it's a little bit hard, I thought, is because, speaking with Julian, a little bit of the of scared, you know, when we talk about Open up too much to people. We're a little bit scared of open up all the time. Like we don't want to give a little bit too much control to somebody because we think they might take away all the control from us. They're like sharing, right? You you don't want to send a surf lesson to the other person because you might think everybody's gonna to go to him later on. I with that a little bit. But well, I was like, if I can give them, then I can actually give myself a little bit more as well—more time, or freedom, or whatever I'm doing. And so I thought that was a little bit of a uh, kind of like an issue that was always around. Um, some good things around was always like a really good community when it comes to surfing uh, you can always uh, find somebody to go surfing with or they will have your back for myself on my uh, background of surfing i um i found my friends really helpful to me every time and just as uh, saying um, and uh, chris uh, sometimes i'll need hugs and actually have a really good friend of my uh, surf the jungle you may see him around with a big afro and this is one of the guys that I can come up to and give a big hug because he knows me since we are, we grew up together since seven or five years old. Um, so like a big brother to me. But coming down to all of this that I'm talking to you guys about, not so much about the surfing, but definitely in the part where um, like looking at the sand and all the other presentations around, is really amazing because um, it's pretty much right there in the background of everybody, right? How we, um, how we feel inside more and how we can put that out there, how we can welcome everybody inside at the same time as well. I have learned that um, through surfing and touring, I can actually uh, share with people and welcome people in. Even if they don't speak the language, I can do a little expression there, here and there, and then people will be a little bit more open to talk or share a little bit more of what they they want to do. Um, So yeah, I think um, part of the community building is it's kind of like not even looking about the community itself, like separate. It's more like it's already a community. We're all individuals that just out there looking where to, where we can fit in, right? And in surfing, a lot of the times when I'm teaching people, I see that sometimes people don't come to us or they go to the other person or when they're surfing, they're holding on, you know, when they're trying to stand up, they're holding on so tight to something that you don't really know what it is. But obviously something that your body is not used to. But on the other side, is attachment that they have to something. And so a lot of the time when we're in the water, I just try to tell people um, to kind of relax and breathe and, and let go of, of whatever they have. Let go sounds easy, but it's actually really difficult. Um, but for me, it, it works very much to, in a way to give back. And, for, and, and part of all of this, what I'm saying today, is one of the best ways to create a community. First thing, I have taught myself a little bit into all of it and with other people around, is the best way of giving back. When I feel like I give back, surf lessons, um, or just anything in general touring, I feel like they um, get a lot more and more. Not only a good feeling about about what we're doing, but it makes more people get more welcome inside. Another um, part surfing and a little bit of uh, tour guide. The other question that um, this changes the whole thing because I was had a completely different idea, but. Um, Julian here um, gave me a couple of a couple of questions to answer. Like, what would be the things to take away from what I'm trying to share with people today, and what I do is um, we'll give back first of it and being grateful for sure. And yeah. Giving back for me, just giving back and being grateful is one of one of the best things that have uh, happened for me for uh, the Lewis Brothers Surf. Um, yeah, pretty much that fit for me today. Little <laughs> <Just>, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nervous, okay. I mean a uh, community uh ambassador, advocate,
2: someone who's been raised here as a success story of this place and he represents so many crowds and audiences and disciplines, communities, whether you belong or not, what Dexter said about this is already an established community and it's just about finding where you are and how different parts of yourself can match and mingle with all these other places. It's the, I watched the movie Divergent recently and we are all all divergent. Are we factions and part of specific crews? Yes, too, but we have a little bit of that within us. So... Uh, thank you, Dexper, for representing that and embodying that to the fullest. Nice. <laughs> Kai? Yes. yes. We got our last last presentation of the day and some closing words. Kai met Kai at the Jamin, the Caribbean uh vegan restaurant open mic and he just stole the show so i hope okay. he does the
4: same here no pressure bro oh. <laughs> thank you it has been a long day but other than that oh, uh, is can i hit this bluetooth button? Hello, everybody.
2: Hello. Uh,
4: my name is Kaheem Freeman. I'm from Indiana, Fort Wayne, Indiana, United States. And Puerto Viejo is going to be the home for the rest of my life.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's
4: just better here.
1: <laughs>
4: very honest, sir. Um, my message for the community is uh, pretty much um, like the gentleman and his wife were saying about for the youth, um, planting those seeds. You can't have a strong community if the future of the community is weak. If the kids aren't on the same level you want them to be, about the time they get our age, it's just going to be everywhere. So that's definitely something we want to do is encourage the kids and try to find something for them to do. Keep them busy and not doing all that crime and all that stuff. So. Uh, What I'm gonna do tonight, um, well, first and foremost, um, I have a record label, it's called Creative Theory. My music is on 200 streaming platforms, on Spotify, YouTube, and all kind of different other platforms. Um, This is the information if you wanna follow me or subscribe to my music, you can pass that around, you can go on Spotify, YouTube, all the other ones, or wherever you, iTunes, it's on 200 streaming platforms, so whichever one you like. Um, let's see, let me get a sound check. I produce music. The, the music you're about to hear is some music I produce myself for my record label. Um, let's get a sound check.
1: I've got an idea, John.
4: I also do uh, music production for companies and businesses. So if you have a company and you wanted some music behind for a commercial or something, I also do that as well. Um, Customized music for your company. No one else will have that but you and your company. Uh, I just made a song last night, this music I'm about to play. So it's very, fairly fresh. The song I'm about to do is pretty much uh, a positive song. I try to do a lot of positive stuff. I don't know why my computer is acting up, so let me do this. technical difficulties but we will get this correct it's not playing okay there we go hmm. there we go all right here we go people sorry for the delay here we go ah To this, most people. Me. There's a story about a gun boy. who remains nameless. There's a book bag, notebook. 44 stones, not his fault. There's a rich as a girl. Clouds in sight, plus the neighborhood he stays in. Ain't safe at night. now with days, people shoot guns. Forget the word fight. Either dad or wear a toe tag. This boy is only 12 years old and is so sad. Don't get along with mom, he never knew his dad. Helps his mom pay the rent from selling dime bags. Violating curfew, tell his mom, I'm getting old, I don't have to listen to you. So she runs to the room and starts to boo-hoo, say the best thing to do was to pray for you. Lord, show my son the right path so he can make it. To see my baby in a coffin, Lord, my heart couldn't take it. The same night, the cops came knocking at the door. She opened it up and just fell straight to the floor, Ma'am, in the hospital, critical condition. We also recovered the Magnum. You reported missing a five-year-old boy found by the soup kitchen where your son was shot. He tried to get away, ma'am. It must have dropped. He tried to rob a dope dealer. who was an undercover cop. He threatened an officer's life, and at that time, he was shot. Ma'am, we need you to come to the hospital with us immediately. Your son's in ICU. ICU. Since I was young, mom and dad said that life is hard. Now I'm growing on my own, I work twice as hard, cause my credit's all messed up. Court date away from bankrupt, hustle and flow to get my money up. Dad just got home from doing the bid, hustler up for life. Ask any one of his kids or one of my siblings. Hustling's in my blood, it's a natural thing, don't get it twisted. Why? What they know about my neck of the woods. In my hood, scrumps used to say I'm out to no good. I ain't mad, y'all. I tell you what, though, they never referee my life because they keep making bad calls. I'm trying to go coast to coast, nice with my hands. Mans in them packs to toast. Knock out blows to the industry, they against the ropes. But what you respect, we're struggling, hustling, going for broke. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, All right. All right, let me see, I guess I could do another one.
2: Yeah. <laughs> i Let's take the right. music down and then you rap
4: out. Okay.
5: Yeah, we wanna
2: hear your lyrics. Oh, we yeah. We wanna hear your message.
4: Yeah. Okay, well thank you. All right, I got one, Let am just do a little, I'm working on this love song because I'm trying to shoot a video for it, probably on the beach, so if y'all around and you wanna be an extra in a video, Just say, hey, remember me? Yeah, come on. Let's do it. Alright. Okay, this one is like a, sort of like a love song I'm working on. Um, I'll let you hear it. It's kind of, kind of interesting. This one is called Still in Love. On. I know you're sipping Trony Tron Got your body warm, now you wanna dance all night long You put my hands on your hips so I can hold on Make your own cheese like your last name was Trollone On a Stella ten, shorty you a 50, when I got my partner you know you're riding with me When I got my ice, then you know you're chilling with me I'ma go get them booed, won't you come and get me uh. Stella I can't say that good so I just been in an argument with somebody that you love is like When I think of you, I can't even sleep right You got me up all night Thinking about the times in the past Yeah, we had some good, yeah, we had some bad Makeup sex is great, that's why I make you mad You put a smile on my face when I hit it from the back Then I make you smile with a little joke I love the way you twist the weed up when we smoke It's been a long time since I last seen you When you get a little time, won't you swing through? I guess you can say I still miss you. Nah, I'm still in love. Check out some of my other music on Spotify, YouTube. You can pass it around, follow me. You can get all the latest updates of all my latest music. Uh, when I'm going to be shooting videos out here. Like I said, if you're in the area, you want to be in a video, come along.
5: It's all good. I want to support you
2: as <laughs> an extra. So you Yes. And I'm
5: going to pop you up
4: It's camera action Hello.
2: Thank you. Are we close it up? Thank you for me. Thank you so much to Kai. So I'm just gonna end off with a few final words and uh, Danny has a final activity for us to close out this beautiful Group of people and this energy that we put towards uh, sharing our minds with our hearts and soul. Yes. So if you guys wanted to maybe close your eyes and just talk, I don't. It's my trick of not having people look at me when I talk. <laughs> if you do want to open your eyes, feel free. So I have. Uh, I like to show up, follow up, and fill up. Thank you so much for attending. My heart's pounding since the beginning when I first thought about bringing a a mind share here. I do these things in Toronto because I find that Toronto is my home and I feel connected mind, body, spirit. It's a passion project. Uh, We've we've raised more than $20,000 for charity over the last few years doing these kinds of things, experiential education, group talks, contribution, mindset. And I never thought to bring it elsewhere because I never really gave the world an opportunity, gave myself the opportunity to experience the world. And so with the people that are here today, with the speakers, with Danny, David, LaRuca, I found this is to be the home away from home. And so that was the the secret sauce that I needed to put my heart and soul into something like this, is to feel home. And Puerto Viejo is one of those places for me, so that's why I felt compelled to do something here. And I know upon doing this work there are many many other people doing it and I'm meeting many of them very quickly. And so A resolution for me post-event is to continue to meet with collaborators that are doing this work on the grassroots level that have picked up steam. And I'm not coming in trying to impose myself upon a community that's already established. That's like one of the first rules, the first no-nos in permaculture is not to impose your own ideas and ideals. Is to imitate and observe, interact, adapt. And that's what I've done. It's taken a while for me to be here, but it's fast in transmission because, again, it's a place that stole my heart. So I wanted to close off with those words. And I wanted to, again, thank you with all of my heart, my wholesomeness, everything that I have to give forward. Um, I hope you guys can continue with that motto, mantra, and share it continually throughout your circles. But starting it with yourself.
5: Woo. nice Woo. Thank you Woo. All right, team, just to close off, in the name of community, in the name of love, everybody stand up. We're going to get in a big circle.
2: Um, if if you like, there's a slideshow. Yeah. Sure. sure. All
5: right. Try to get nice and circular. Yes. Yep. <laughs>